if you have your scriptures with you, I always like to call the, or remind us that Jesus called the word of God also the bread of life. And that uh, uh, it is important for us to have the word of God near us, close to us, and available to us, not just as a good luck charm in the front or the back of your car. That doesn't happen here. Or a good luck charm in the table, in the coffee table in your house with all the family. That's nice, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. Unless you open the book and you struggle with it, then it does something. Because the scriptures is the only, listen to this, the scripture is it's a secret. I don't want any of you telling anybody out of here. Okay? It's our secret. Scripture is the only book that comes with the author. Yeah. Think about that. It's the only book that comes with the author. You can fight as you're reading. He's going to win, but... And you can struggle with it. So today I have this very, very long passage to read. Why are you laughing? You seen it? <laughs> and it's basically the, 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 from Job chapter 33, verse 4. Listen to the word of the Lord. For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Can we say it again to, to, together? Can we say it together? For the Spirit of God has made me. For the Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. I am sharing with you in these few weeks uh, a, a series on the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The first Sunday we spoke about that the, that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. One of the jobs of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to apply the things of Jesus and make them happen in your life. Do you understand that? Let's take the, way, uh, the, the word uh, re uh, redemption. The word redemption is a business term. It refers to the idea that when I pay something in full, it's what? Redeemed, paid in full. Okay? Paul uses that word. Paul adopts that word from the business environment of the first century and brings it to the Bible to illustrate what Jesus has done to us. Jesus has paid the price for your guilt and my guilt. For your condemnation and my condemnation, Jesus has paid the price. Otherwise, if that's not true, we're a whole bunch of liars when we say... Jesus paid it all. But it's true. Now, that happened when? 2,000 plus years ago? How does that event become a reality in your life here today in the 21st century? In Cobb County, Marietta. How does that happen? The Spirit of God who transcends times and space, takes the forgiveness, the redemption, the blood that Jesus paid for, and brings it to your heart, to your heart and my heart here today. That's why you know about it. That is the work of the Spirit. Make the things that Jesus promises, the promises of God, make them real here and now. Boy, Calvin took 17 chapters to just say that. I had to read them <laughs> in French. 
So the unity of the Spirit is of such nature that He even lives within us. And He speaks to you. That's why I asked this morning, how many of you have heard the word of the Lord? The voice of the Lord. Because the Spirit of God speaks to you. And Paul says in Romans that that Spirit joins with your Spirit to convince you, to tell you, to affirm you that you are a child of God. Are you a child of God? Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in me, in you. Not because you go to church. It is because you go to church because the Spirit of God lives within you and encourages you to come to the family gatherings once in a while. Then last week we spoke about the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth that guides us to the truth about God, who God is, who God really is, and not the Mickey Mouse or Disney God that we have in Aladdin, I mean in the the magic thing. No. The God of Scriptures who decided to show God's self to each one of us. God wants you to know God. Did you know that? Because God has no beef with you any longer. You may have it with God. But he will remove it so that you and him can have a fellowship. Today I want to share a little bit about the spirit of life. The spirit of life that, hello, gave us all life. Actually, the scripture that we have today... It is a, 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 a scripture in Job. It is one of his counselors, one of Job's friends. Elihu, is that how you would call him? Elihu is counseling Job on why all the calamities have happened. If you remember, Job was a very wealthy man, had everything under the belt, everything anyone could want in those days. He owned it. He had it. He could sell it if he wanted. However... He lost it all, lost it all, his family, even to his health. And then some very good friends come around and they're going to tell him, what was wrong with you? What did you do wrong? Uh, How many of us have friends like that? You know, what you need to do is shut your mouth and no. no. (laughs) But Eliu, wrong as he was going to be in his counsel to Job, had something very clear in his mind and in his heart. And Eliu knew for a fact that the Spirit of God has made him and that the breath of the Almighty had given him life. He was echoing the words of Genesis 2-7 when we hear the words, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living being, person. You see, when God created us and gave us his spirit as life, how many of you remember that then, then, you know, remember the story that Adam and Eve, who were our parents, uh, went ahead and, and, and sinned or did something, disobeyed God, and they died, God said, the minute you sin, you will surely die. Well, we know they didn't die. So what died? Was God confused? What died? What died? Their spirit died. That spirit that allowed them to have that capacity 
to have the relationship, to have the fellowship with God who's a spirit, dies. That's why they were hiding. That's why God couldn't find them. I can believe he couldn't find them. Yeah, you know. Where are you, little ones? <laughs> they knew they had failed tremendously. But that is what died. So when we read in John, the first chapter, in him was the life, and the life was the light of man. It is the return of that life that we lost in Edom. In Christ, we get it back. That's the spirit of life that lives within us. We lost it, we get it back. Now we have the capacity to relate with, to, and for God. Now our spirit begins to grow mature. And because we have been so many years in this body, only relying on the senses and our fears, it is difficult for us to rediscover that essence of God in us. It takes practice, and that's okay. It is dying to the flesh and rising to the spirit. That's the process, and that's what God promises to us. When Jesus dies, he sends the spirit and causes the spirit of life. You see, when sin conquered humanity, humanity dies. The spirit dies. Their capacity, sensitivity, and ability to fellowship with God disappeared. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, when I prepare, uh, how many of you have been to my house? Some of you have been there, and, and you may have seen a sheet of paper that's written with blue handwritten ink, and it's posted in the kitchen counter. Uh, you have, may have seen it. These are five questions that I ask myself sometimes, not always, when I'm preparing a message. And I'm going to share those questions with you today. As we go through the spirit of life that we've introduced, let's go through those five questions. The first question is that I usually like to ask myself, what do we need to know this week? What does God want us to know this week? What does God want to communicate to us this week? And it takes a while to figure that out. There is no easy way to figure that out. There is no crystal ball around. And I have to get into prayer and discernment and search to, for what the Spirit of God not only wants to say today, but maybe three months down the line, which we're working on. You see, So the first thing is, what do we need to know? Well, the first thing that we want to know is that the spirit of life offers life. Offers the Christ life. Not the life for us to live in pure luxury and, and, and pure hedonism. By the way, that's just having fun all the time and not being responsible for anything. That's not what it is. The spirit of life offers the kind of life that Jesus has to you. Doesn't offer you a fire insurance only. But it offers the kind of life that you would have. So why do we need to know this? Then is the second question. Why do we need to know this? If the Spirit of God gives us life, but the life of Christ. We need to know this because we believe we're alive. We need to know this because the world have, have, has, has created a sense of deception on us. And we think that living is sitting down on a pew of complacency, and we think that living is sitting down in, in our homes, reading the paper, and worrying and complaining and nagging about everything else that happens with us out getting involved. 
Oh. You see, there is something like existence. And the person that merely exists lives to make money. That's their goal. To eat at fancy restaurants. To get the convertible car and the blonde, like I joke about. See, the life that exists only is a life guided by mere survival, patterns of unhealthy living, self-deception, illusions that people are good, illusions that you are better than everybody else, illusions of what you eat, you work, you sleep, and that is it. That's the mere existence in life. The greatest challenge is making money in that kind of philosophy. The greatest challenge is getting myself better, more comfortable than everybody else. That is mere existence. Or, if you have the money, then this existence merely seeking pleasure, fun, luxury, self-satisfaction that is never, never satisfying. It is selfish, self-centered, self-inspired, and self-destructive. That's the kind of existence. However, the spirit of life that offers life, offers the life of Jesus. And let's compare it. The life that the Spirit offers, the life of Christ is self-giving. The life of Christ is inspirational, is enthusiastic, is faithful, is abundant, like John 10.10 says and reminds us. It is joyful. Oh, it is sacrificial. At times it's painful, but we carry those pains and those sacrifices with a sense of purpose, not a sense of despair. A life of growth, discovery, is the life that the Spirit offers us. A life of adventure in ministry, not boredom in the house. A life of meaningful days and memorable evenings. The Spirit of life offers the life of Christ. A life that is characterized by humility. It is characterized by service. It is characterized by prayer, by mentoring one another, by bringing together and not dividing, by offering opportunities and not killing one another. A meaningful life that can handle evil, misfortune, and disaster because it does not fear that stuff because they trust on a true God. That's why we need to know that the spirit of life offers the life of Christ. Third question. Why do we need to know this? I asked the question first. The first question was, what do we need to know? Why do we need to know this? And third, what do we need to do? Well, knowing things is good. But doing something about it is even better. Should you agree with me? Amen. So what do we need to do? I believe the first thing we need to do is embrace the offer of this new life of spirit, of the spirit. A new way to see and experience the world. Instead of seeing the calamity, you see the opportunity. Instead of seeing nine black people dying, we see nine martyrs rising to heaven. Instead of creating a war, we've created a, 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 a outpour of love and unity that we need to experience. We don't need to, to wait for it to happen here. We need to know these things because, we, we, so the first thing is to, to embrace that new life. Secondly, I'm going to encourage you to immerse yourself in that new life, to breathe Jesus 
Eat Jesus. Sleep Jesus. Begin to speak Jesus' language in your life. Begin to love and forgive like Jesus. And begin to offer hope like Jesus. Paul saw it this way. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature, those who live to satisfy themselves, will harvest decay and death for their own sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit of life, the spirit of God, will harvest everlasting life from the life-giving spirit. Galatians 6.8 Thirdly, not only do we embrace, not only do we immerse ourselves, but we begin to practice. We begin to behave like Jesus behaved. We begin to catch ourselves in our negative behavior, put a stop to it. I'm always driving this little Volkswagen. And the image is that when I was very young, I had a Volkswagen. And that thing didn't have brakes, except the emergency brake. Oh, I would be pumping and pumping, and, and this is the one that worked. Until we got it fixed, but I was a college <laughs> those days. And that's the image I have. I put a stop to my behavior, to my tendency, and I rethink, okay, let's do this like Jesus. <laughs> Some of you know my stories about that. <laughs> so we practice the life of Christ. We live it. We take the risk. We extend the hand, risking to be hit back, rejected. We offer a shoulder. We walk the extra mile. We cry with those who cry, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. It is an intentional behavior. It is something that we do intentionally. It is something that we organize and plan our lives into to, so that we can honor God. Fourth question. Why do we need to do it? Well, you have two choices. Now that you know that the spirit of life offers life, the life of Jesus, now you, have, you don't have any way out. You have to either embrace it or walk away with it. Now, if you embrace it, you will live a life of peace. You will live a life of ministry. You will live a life of generosity because it is in giving that we receive. You will live a life, the life of Christ. You see, the spirit of God, the spirit of life offers Life, the life of Christ. Paul summarizes it in Galatians 2.20 when he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today, I'm asking you to think through it. Make a commitment to accept the life offered by the spirit of life, which is the life of Christ. Today, I would like to encourage you to stop complacency, to stop bitterness, to stop any resentment, and embrace the life of the spirit of life, the life of Christ. Today, I would like for you to break away from a negative, unforgiving, destructive past that wants to, to sequester your present and your future and begin to walk in the life offered by the spirit of life, the life of Christ. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but rather living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit.
I have crucified with Christ. So the life that I now live is the life of Christ. The spirit of life offers us life. The life of Christ.